This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about finding the deeper meaning of seemingly useless information. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today's episode is Mayor Antebellum. The Antebellum South, or the Plantation Era, is a period of history in the southern United States from the late 1700s up until the start of the American Civil War in 1861. It was a period of unparalleled economic growth and prosperity built on the barbaric and violent institution of American slavery. With free labor, the South built an economy on cotton, grain, tobacco, sugar, and rice. The antebellum South was not only important economically, it also set the social structure in the South that led to the racist viewpoints of white supremacy that became so ingrained in every aspect of Southern American culture. By the 1860s, the plantation system wasn't even efficient anymore. Slave labor literally only persisted because it produced social status, honor, and political power. Antebellum, therefore, is a term that when used in the context of American culture contains all these horrific things and much, much more. And it's this term that Hillary Scott, Dave Haywood, and Charles Kelly decided to name their band after. I'm talking, of course, about Lady Antebellum. Lady Antebellum is one of the most famous country groups of the 21st century, if not all time. Back in 2010, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing their melodramatic number one hit, Need You Now. The band would ride this song to win the 2011 Grammys for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Country Song. They also won a bunch of like American Music Award and Country Music Awards. It was a huge hit. Um, it crossed over to like the pop charts, and it, 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 it was arguably the biggest song of 2010. Altogether, they've released eight albums, they've headlined six tours, and have made an insane amount of money. They're a huge act. Like I said, they've crossed over from country to pop with a lot of their hits. They've sold millions of CDs and albums and singles on iTunes. They've filled stadiums and have earned millions of dollars. They're about as mainstream as country music can get and therefore are about as mainstream as the American South or that ideal of the American South can get. So, of course, as an important musical group with such a heinous name, they had to weigh in on the Black Lives Matter movement that is having a moment at this time. On June 11th, Lady Antebellum issued a statement on their Instagram. I'm going to read part of it to you now. It says, quote, As a band, we have strived for our music to be a refuge, inclusive of all. We've watched and listened more than ever these last few weeks, and our hearts have been stirred with conviction. Our eyes opened wide to the injustices, inequality, and biases black women and men have always faced and continue to face every day. Now, blind spots we didn't even know existed have been revealed. After much personal reflection, band discussion, prayer, and many honest conversations with some of our closest black friends and colleagues, we have decided to drop the word antebellum from our name and move forward as Lady A, the nickname our fans gave us almost from the start. End quote. So good for them, right? They finally recognized that their name pretty much glorified a horrific aspect of American history and chose to change it. 
immediately they changed their name on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube and Instagram and their website, and they erased Lady Antebellum faster than most cities have removed Confederate statues. They did so with hearts stirred with conviction and eyes open wide, except their eyes weren't opened wide enough because they didn't realize there was already a Lady A, a Lady A that's been around for 20 years, and her name is Anita White. She's a 61-year-old black woman who has been performing as Lady A since the 80s. She's released multiple albums, her latest being slated to drop on July 18, 2020, entitled Lady A Live in New Orleans. Lady A had a trademark on the name and was rightfully scared to see that this super mega group would attack her or issue a cease and desist. But above all, it just seemed a little tone deaf on behalf of Lady Antebellum, right? I mean, it's one thing to say you care about the inequality that black women and men face and take responsibility for your, quote, blind spots in the words you use and the history you uphold. But when in the process of correcting that, you proceed to ignore the plight of a smaller black artist, it seems like an empty gesture. Anita White, the Lady A, put it best in an interview with Rolling Stone. She said the following, quote, They're using the name because of a Black Lives Matter incident that for them is just a moment in time. If it mattered, it would have mattered to them before. It shouldn't have taken George Floyd to die for them to realize that their name had a slave reference to it. It's an opportunity for them to pretend they're not racist or pretend this means something to them. If it did, they would have done some research. And I'm not happy about it. You found me on Spotify easily. Why couldn't they? End quote. Honestly, why couldn't they? Why couldn't they just search to see if there's another Lady A out there? That's a massive blind spot to think you're the only Lady A out there, right? Ultimately, the name change is an empty gesture. Lady Antebellum as a brand doesn't care for racism and apparently, finally, don't want to be associated with the glorification of slavery. But they still see racism as something abstract and evil and something that is kind of just somewhere out there and not something systemic that everyone plays a part in. They don't see their hand in strong-arming a black woman to take over her name because they're doing the right thing, quote-unquote. And that's what makes it an empty gesture. What do they really care about changing? Seems to be just their name, but really nothing else. And there's a lot of empty gestures going around right now. Things that are technically a good thing when seen in a vacuum. However, when seen in context, they reveal at best a blind spot on behalf of those who commissioned the act or at worst, a willful neglect to address any of the real issues. The most recent and high profile one being the one that took place in New York City. denigrating the luxury of Fifth Avenue. Let me tell you, we are not denigrating anything. We are liberating Fifth Avenue. We are lifting Fifth On Thursday, July 9th, Mayor Bill de Blasio stood outside Fifth Avenue in front of Trump Tower and put the finishing touches on a street mural that said Black Lives Matter in bright yellow. New York City became just the latest in a myriad of towns and cities all over the United States that have done similar projects. 
And it really covers all types of cities, from Seattle to Oakland to Washington, D.C. to Denver and Albany. Even Topeka, Kansas and Montpelier, Vermont had Black Lives Matter murals. And the city I live in, Dallas, also had a Black Lives Matter mural. Because that's what people have been protesting for, maybe, for art? Look, don't get me wrong, art has power, but art is not the thing a mayor who cares about an issue should really do. Artists express themselves through art because they don't have political power to actually do anything else. Mayors have political power beyond commissioning a public works project, right? Imagine if, if a mayor really cared about some issue, he would do a lot more than just make a mural out of it, right? Yet somewhere along the way, the people in power all across this country thought that by painting things on the street, that everything would be over. But the fact is, no one was protesting for a mural, and governing bodies thinking they're accomplishing anything by spending tax dollars on a temporary municipal project are clueless. The demands were, change the way policing is done in this country, enforce police accountability, and perhaps most easily jail killer cops. Not, cops should kneel too. Or cops should do the electric slide with us. Or a mural should be painted in front of City Hall. Those were never the demands of this movement. Of all the cities in all the states across the USA that have painted murals, only one governing body has actually done something worthwhile. And that is the state of Colorado, which passed Senate Bill 217. Some of the issues addressed in the bill are the ban of chokeholds, an officer who fails to try to stop another from using excessive force could face charges or lose their jobs for failing to intervene or even for using excessive force. But perhaps the biggest and most significant change of Senate Bill 217 is the removal of the qualified immunity defense for cops, which allows people to bring civil rights claims against cops. This is a pretty huge deal because qualified immunity is one of the things that makes it so difficult to hold police accountable. Essentially, qualified immunity shields government officials from being held personally liable for constitutional violations like the right to be free from excessive police force for money damages under federal law so long as the officials did not violate, quote, clearly established law, end quote. The problem starts with that clearly established part. Here's what I mean. In order for someone to prove that something was clearly established, the courts require plaintiffs to point to an already existing judicial decision with very similar facts. But if you're the first one to litigate some brutal police action, there's nothing before. Therefore, it's not clearly established law. <laughs> there's even more BS with this qualified immunity. In 1986, the Supreme Court wrote that qualified immunity protects all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. Not only that, but the defendant needs to be judged on the basis of any reasonable officer or every reasonable official, pretty much stating that in order to overcome qualified immunity, the right that's being violated has to be so clearly violated that it has to be obvious not only to the average reasonable officer, but to the worst, dumbest, and most useless reasonable officer. See how hard it is to keep them accountable? In order to bring a civil suit against a cop, they have to do something so awful that even the worst, dumbest cop would think it's obviously awful. And that's an incredibly high barrier of entry. 
Colorado got rid of it, though, so that's awesome for Colorado. And that brings us back to Mayor de Blasio. Mayor de Blasio is the mayor in charge of the largest city in the country, whose police department is the largest police force in the United States, a force numbering more than 38,000 armed sworn officers, all of them enjoying qualified immunity and able to act as they damn well please. If you don't believe me, on July 14th, 2020, the New York Times released an interactive article on their website showing video proof that on the first 10 days of demonstrations after the death of George Floyd, NYPD officers used excessive force all over the place. There's over 60 very clear videos showing officers attacking people with their hands up, people walking away from them, showing officers repeatedly pummeling people already on the ground, police responding to verbal attacks with punches and pepper spray, police pulling down protesters by their hair or pulling them down by their neck, and so many more things. There is a full set of videos which I will link in the show notes which show the behavior of all sorts of cops in all sorts of situations using excessive force and getting away with it too. Because there is no accountability. And if any of those people try to press charges, they won't be able to because of qualified immunity. And yet, five days before this huge collection of evidence was neatly collected and displayed to the world, the mayor of New York City stood in front of Trump Tower and painted a mural ignoring the fact that it's this behavior that he needs to address, not the lack of murals. And the same goes for all the mayors and senators and representatives and county commissioners in this country. That's what the goal is for this movement, to change the way policing is done in the country, to make it so that in the future there's not one whole race of people that's terrified of the police. Instead, we're getting a whole lot of empty gestures from corporate slogans to people wanting to have quote conversations on race without actually caring to listen, just wanting to prove they're not racist. We don't want you changing your name from Lady Antebellum to Lady A and act like nothing is happening. We want you to actually do something meaningful like defunding the police and ending qualified immunity. Until then, it's all just empty gestures. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or post it on social media. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. See you next time. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.